Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to episode 23 of the Rex Chapman Show with super cool Josh Hopkins. Hi, Josh. Yeah. Hey, Rex. How are you, buddy? I'm good. How are things in Kentucky? All good. All good here. A little overcast today. Uh, episode 23, the uh, Michael Jordan episode. Is it? That's he 23? I think was he's 23? 23. I think he was. Or 32. Was he 32? Yeah, I don't know. I'm dyslexic. Uh, I know he's nine in the Olympics, but 23. Yes, it's 23. Michael Jordan episode. And speaking of the Olympics, which he was number nine, uh, how about the Olympic team? We 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 followed them. We we started talking about them losing all those exhibition games in the first game of of the Olympics. But here we are, and they are the gold medal winning USA basketball team. What do you think about that? I think it's magnificent. They are uh, the gold winning gold medal winning team. We are the gold medal winning country. I do remember though there were people at the time that were going. They look like they don't want to be there. Mm-hmm. And now mm-hmm. those same people are saying we won the gold medal. And I find that kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of find that weird. Yeah. Well, we and did so, it. We were always with them. That's right. But they yeah. weren't. They weren't. <laughs> they weren't. Yeah. They weren't. Um, yeah. I'm I'm fired up. I saw JaVale McGee. He uh, posted uh, Pops celebratory speech uh, yeah, uh, where he uh, dropped a couple of uh, F-bombs, um, you know, basically saying, how you like us now? Uh, yeah, yeah. I love Pop. He's a national Morgan. treasure, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, book club, Josh. Um, uh, I uh, Read anything I in this week? I didn't get to anything. It was, there's a lot. I was busy. What about you? Same. Very busy. Ah, that's been book club. Okay. Uh, one thing also uh, talking about the Olympics, I think it's always so compelling and interesting with this group of, you know, all-star players that get together and go play for their country. And you start to see who starts to become the alpha of the alphas. Right. And everyone on the team, basically it was like, there's time. Kevin Durant, please, uh, here's the ball. I mean, you just saw how good he is when when the others who are all, you know, all-time great players defer to him. I just think that's just so compelling every time. I love to see it. What do you think about that? I couldn't agree more. I mean, he's just, he's just unique. And people don't really talk about him being <laughs> the best player in the game right now. He arguably is. I mean, he's just so different. He's a seven foot two guard point guard. Um, There's nothing he, you know, he doesn't post up, but nobody posts up. He's a terrific defender on ball weak side. He just loves to play basketball. You know, there's, I have no doubt he's probably just playing today, you know, taking a week off from the Olympics and he's back hooping somewhere today. He just likes to play and it's, Thank goodness he does. Good for us. 
Yeah, Devin Booker said something. He said, that is the highest level of scoring that <laughs> that the world has ever seen, the NBA's ever seen. No one can score like him when he in yeah. who can stop him? He's seven foot tall with a the a super high release, and he's a great shooter. Plus, he's got great handles for seven foot. It, it's you can't stop him. And he's obviously a great teammate. His teammates love him. You know, he's uh, and he wins wherever he goes. That that normally helps. Uh, let's get into our guest. You want to? Um, sure. Real quick, though, I want to ask you about these players that what? They got that got that ah. big bag. You know, got like the big Steph. bag. Steph. Yeah, Steph signed his big extension, fifty million, million a year. A year. Awesome. <laughs> Love it. You know, guys like Steph and LeBron and KD, um, guys who really just sort of carry the mantle for the league, you know, that just, they can't, I don't like the max contract for those guys. There should be something else for those guys. And I, I get it. $50 million. Nobody's feeling sorry for guys making $50 million, but are there 10 guys in the league that should be making what LeBron and Stefan and KD make? No. Nobody. I mean, who else? Giannis, maybe you could argue, but not right. 30 guys. Right. <laughs> they, they drive everything. They drive everything. Uh, so anyway, uh, just wanted yeah. to throw that in. Yeah. Well, um, well done. You know, you know, uh, Josh, we've got a really interesting guest on this week. One of my, he, this guy, I'm sure we'll get into it, but Gave me one of the worst beatdowns of my basketball playing days. And That's enough said. Got, I can't wait to hear about that. We've got Jim Jackson, Jimmy Jackson, uh, Ohio State, 14-year NBA basketball player, and an unbelievable uh, basketball analyst. What a terrific mind, and um, I'm excited about this one. Let's get into it. 14-year NBA vet. My guy, James Arthur Jackson. What's up, Jim? Hey, a lot of people don't know that, man. Keep that. Now it's out They there. know it now. Now it's out there. Now it's out nothing, there. nothing you could do. We looked all over the internet, scoured the internet, couldn't find it. Thought it was Allen. Ha uh-huh. ha. Uh-huh. 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 Uh, Jimmy, what's up? Have you been playing golf? Not, not today, bro. I was, you know, I was in... Um, Vegas last week, what, a couple of times this week, playing with the Retired Players Association, the Legends, in a nice event at Cascada. So, didn't play a couple more times, bro. You know, I'm addicted to the game, bro. I know you are. How are you playing? Man, man. Uh, What's your handicap right now? No, I'm a a 10. Nah. Nah. No, 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 no. But that's not an everyday. It depends because you know how this game, if you don't practice, especially your short game, and putting, bro, you it's, you might as well forget it. So one day I can shoot a little low, next day I'm all over the place. So I'm, I'm not as consistent as I want to be, you know? I get it. I get it. Um, I, want to, I want to talk to you about growing up and all that. Uh, but um, being you're from right across the river in Ohio. Yeah. But I, I want to know this first. When did you know that you were so damn good on television? And doing what you do, um, because you're really good, man. And everybody, you know, the, I think 
universally people recognize it. Uh, how much studying do you put in? Because you're, you're very natural. Bro, I'm going to tell you what, Rex, I'm still trying. You know how we are as professional athletes. We're always still trying to get to that next level. And hopefully you never get satisfied in what you do. I still I believe I got a lot of growth to do. In particular, when I look back, again, I didn't start this a year ago, two years ago. No, this is my going into my 14th year. So I started back in 07 once I retired. Now, if I were to go back and look at some tape then, yeah, yeah. now I'll probably I'll probably cringe. But one thing I did, Rex, right away is from day one, I hired a broadcasting coach. Because, you know, even though I had done TV, you know how we would do TNT during the playoffs, or you would do some mm-hmm. other stuff, the radio shows, you did stuff, but it wasn't on that level. So I said, one of the best pieces of advice somebody gave me was get a broadcasting coach so you can learn the ins and outs of the business itself, not just going on TV. It's a difference between, as you know, Rex doing a game and being in studio. The time difference and when you get in and get out, all these things, expanding your vocabulary, uh, learning how to study, what to study. So that helped me kind of form the base. And then over the years, I think working with Gus Johnson really helped me, uh, I think, accelerate my learning process because he's such a pro. And that forced me to really have to be on point with my information uh, and how I, you know, you know, basically describe the game. But it is, a, you know, it's a lot of studying, a lot of talking to people, but it's fun. It's not work. That's why, that's why I love it. You know, Jim, uh, Rex has told me off camera several times, like he said, Jim is so good. He is just fantastic. Like, and he talks, he just talks about how natural you are, how great you are and how, how uh, you're going to ascend to be a real, real huge, huge uh, play-by-play guy or a color guy. I hope so. But you know what? Here's the thing. I think for me, Rex, it's the game is never about me. The broadcast is never about me. Rarely would I ever bring up, okay, what I used to do back in the day or when I play, unless it's relevant to a conversation or a situation that happened. Because to me, what's important is the game that's going on in front of us and what's happening. Now, I'm not an old school player either. It's like, oh, you know, the ball was so much better back in the 90s. And bro, these young kids, these young men and women are a product of what's going on today. And they can only play that way. So I try to describe the game in that context, not from my, you know, back when, you know, Oakley would knock us down and, Bill Lambeer would do this. No, it's it, no. So I always try to keep that in the forefront um, when I'm calling a game that this is a different era, this is their era, and call it that way. Since we're just right here, I just want to ask, what was it like to call your son's games, Trey, oh. while he was at Wisconsin? How hard <laughs> slash fun was that? Bro, you know, it's funny. The funny part is when he went in as a freshman, I called some of his games, okay? But he wasn't starting. So not only did I call his game, but I, you know, was in studio talking about the following year, they took me off of it. So I wasn't call, I wasn't calling his games. I guess he thought it was a conflict of interest, but to me, it wasn't no big deal. He was Trayvon. He needed to play certain things he did wrong. I would call it out, you know, just in the studio. But it wrapped around to his junior year when they lost to Kentucky. 
He missed a shot that could have won it. I had to do the interview for Big Ten Network after the game with all the emotion. As a father, his emotion for missing a shot, but then still maintain the professionalism of being a broadcaster and analyst. But it was twice in my career. Big Ten tournament, his sophomore year, I think I got choked up when we finally got a chance to be together. And it, it, it was in Chicago. I mean, Quentin, um, who, who Carter, who does our programming for studio, set it up. And it was kind of a lot of conversation on well, should they do it, should they not? But he got on the set with me, bro, and I got emotional. Oh, man. I mean, everything came out at that point. You know what I mean? Mm. But it was different when they lost to Kentucky. I knew the emotions, but I wanted him to be able to capture that and explain it and let him do it and still be his father, but at the same time still be a, a analyst and broadcaster and do my job. And I, I think I was pretty good at it. I think. That's amazing. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, did you, play, did, did you play in Rupp Arena at, in high school, the Hillbrook yeah, we, Classic? Yeah, we played against, uh, what is it, Station? Um, Bryan Station. Bryan Station. Brian yeah, State. I was I was at the game. Okay, Where we're both we're the same age. Wait, so you older uh, shit like me, huh? Yes, yes, <laughs> I am. And I remember watching you and thinking, that grown man is my age. Oh my god! And now, I, now here we are, fifty, and I'm like. That young fella is my <laughs> What is going on? I've lived a hard life, I suppose. Now, let me ask you a question. Josh, you smoke cigars? No, I don't. See, that's your problem, see? <laughs> cigar, some rum, you know what I mean? It, it keeps the, the pressure down and the stress levels low. You don't have to encourage him. You don't have to encourage him. <laughs> Oh, man. Jimmy and I got a chance to, oh, I don't know if I told you this. Uh, I don't even know if you know this, Jimmy. Uh, uh, J- Jim and I had a chance to work together a few weeks ago before the draft. We were both yeah. in Atlanta. And uh, the day before we went in, they had me come in because I hadn't missed a, a production meeting we'd all done via Zoom. Uh-huh. So you weren't in yet, but I went in and sat on the set with uh, Jared Greenberg and our uh-huh. producers and and um, they started going through what we were going to do, which we were going to do a mock draft, Josh. A mock draft, uh, you know, just pick. This was the day before the draft. Yep. And so uh, they had Jimmy with the first pick. And, you know, we had Jared Greenberg, another guy with the th- second and third pick, and then me with the fourth pick. And then I looked at it and I was like, and then it went back to Jimmy. And I was like, damn, they're not, they don't, not going to snake this. I don't get the fourth and the fifth pick what is that and then it dawned on me and they said yeah we're not gonna snake it i said yeah because y'all need jimmy on every fucking time because he's so much better than everybody we get it we get it already (laughs) and they started laughing because they knew it's true (laughs) that's the case they need some serious help that's telling you oh man understand something guys i grew up and again i'm I think three three years younger than you, Rex. Yeah, two or three. I think so. I still have on tape your Scholastic Sports. And Scholastic Sports, when you had slow motion, behind the back, up in the air, reverse dunk. So people don't 
understand how at that time, because you didn't have social media, that when you saw something on a player like Rex, because you didn't see him all the time, you were just amazed at it because he was so different than your area. Okay, but then you, Scholastic Sports America was it. If you got on yeah, there. Yeah, that's right. Then you were doing something. Like, what you doing? I was like, oh, man, who's this white dude, man, down in Kentucky doing it like this? You know what I mean? Then the McDonald's game came up. And you did did that in the dunk contest. But then, of course, a fabulous career at Kentucky. But I don't think people understand the relevance in which Rex Chapman had Uh-oh. coming. No, seriously, bro. Coming out of high school. At that time, you were the class of what? Eight, when you were JRE? 80, 86, yeah. 86. So that was. We had. Was that Marcus? No, Marcus Liberty was 80. We had, Josh knows. We had JR and JR. Uh, Terry Mills, Derek Terry Coleman. Oh, yeah. Ramil Robinson. Yeah. Yeah. And you were right in that group of guys that they were talking about, about the next and up and coming best player. Trust me. Crazy, crazy, Bro. my guy. Uh, man, so you grow up. You grow up. I appreciate that, Jim. Really. Um, uh, you grow up in Toledo. Um, Josh normally asks this, um, but I'm going to ask: uh, At what age did you know that you were better at sports, mm-hmm. uh, whatever sport it was. What was the earliest you remember being like, yeah, well, I'm better than they are. And the only way I, you know, get competition is if I play up two or three grades. How, how old were you? Bro, I was young in this aspect. I didn't play organized basketball until I was in the sixth grade. And, and mm. boys um, talked me into it. But I grew up playing football. I thought I was going to be the next Len Swan. So we had in our neighborhood, we would always hoop and do stuff like that. But we would have our football area teams go around playing each other. That was my thing. It wasn't basketball. Wow. I love football, bro, and I love to steal it. So I would say, though, when I played in the sixth grade, Rex, I was bigger than everybody. But then the next year, I was at a basketball camp in Toledo. The point guard on our team was Matt Coleman. He got hurt. For whatever reason, the coach of that team put me at the point. Don't know why. <laughs> still have no clue. But it was at that camp that I started to play point, and I was like, oh, this is fun. <laughs> so then my seventh and eighth grade year, I did everything. And then I ended up and, and you were and you were taller, you were taller I early. Damn, damn near the same size. You know what I mean? Almost. Really? Yeah, man. I was about so you were so they were trying to make you a big man at first. You yeah, were of course. I was a wow. big man. Wow. I was a big man. So this is what happened. So seventh, eighth grade year, great. My freshman year, my varsity coach, after the second game, pulled me from JV to my to varsity. We're in the locker room playing. I still remember this, this school called Mansfield Malabar. I mean, no, Elyria, might have been Elyria High School, one of the Elyria schools. He puts on the board, Rex, Josh, the starting lineup. My name is on there at point guard. Only practice with the team a couple of times. Now keep in mind, I got seniors yeah. who are pissed. Okay. I mean, I'm sitting there like at 15, like, man, what's going on? I want to play JV because I'm on the bench. Right. So he puts me in the starting lineup at point guard at varsity. 
from there, I went to average about 16 my, my freshman year. We made it right to the state, right before the state semifinals, my, my freshman year. That's a great, but at that point, and then the next year I went to Metro Index, that summer Metro Index camp, and they moved me up to play with the senior, junior seniors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I made the all-star team. That's when I knew that if I put in the work, I could be pretty good. But it was my coach. Guys, you understand this, that probably saw something in me. Yeah. I didn't see it myself. Wow. You know? And I and I treasure that and I appreciate that from him for you know, rest of my days. Did you continue to play football? Yeah, I played football my freshman year. And then after my freshman season, the varsity coach wanted me to move up because I played tight end defensive end. So he wanted me to move up to play. But I was like, man, I'm going to go hoop. And once I got the bug after that freshman year, it was like football was gone. It was, they kept asking me every year, but man, you know how it is. Once you get that bug, you feel it, you start to put in that work and you're like, Oh, yeah. I think I could be pretty good at this, man. Yeah. You could be really good at football. Too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh. You, could. you could. How long do you think, when do you, it took for those uh, senior point guards to be like, oh. Oh, bro. It was, it was, it was, it was tough, man. It, <laughs> I it bet was it was. Because one of the main guys who had made all city the year before, maybe honorable mention in the state, I grew up with. I used to hoop in his backyard and he used to make me, I, he used to have a moped. So in order for me to ride the moped, I would have to wash it and clean it, okay? And we were hooping his backyard. They would sometimes not let me play. Yeah. Now, here it is. I'm the point guard, and, and I started to kind of get a lot of publicity with the guy I grew up with and kind of idolized a little bit. Damn. But it was, it was midway through that freshman year, guys, when we were kind of winning and doing stuff where they really couldn't deny it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was, yeah. I just went about my business being a naive 15 year old, you know, like I'm just hooping, man. I don't know. I, and winning's fun. Winning is fun. You know, you know? And then once we got in the tournament, got closer to the state, it was, it was all love, but I get why they were upset. This is their senior yes. year. Yes. And they worked hard the whole time. And here's a freshman. Which that, that was kind of the era. And that's kind of how we grew up. You know, it's kind of the, I, I, same, much the same. I didn't start as a freshman, but I played on the varsity team mm-hmm. and there were definitely juniors and seniors that were, you know, that could have gone out there and probably did what I did. I couldn't guard anybody, but I could throw it in the basket, you know, eight, 10 points a game. Right. Um, but you're a freshman. You're and so <laughs> you got four more years and they're banking on the future, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, but there's all kinds of resentment. It's, it's good going through that stuff though. Well, right. How, Jim? How did you handle it, Rex? Oh, I was, I, it, it tore me up because I was kind of a sensitive, you know, kid anyway. And at that time I was just happy to be playing on the varsity team, you know, I, yeah. I and so any minutes I got, I was happy with, but then there were those juniors and seniors who, you know, every other day were kicking my ass in practice, yeah. you know, and they had been playing for three, four years already. So it, it, I just continued to work and put in the work. And then, like you said, before long, you know, you start doing things out there that, you know, they just can't deny because they see you working every day. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not like you're getting the shot and you haven't earned it. Exactly. And, and to me, I had the confidence because I was bigger. Right. Okay? So I didn't know. But, you know, you had a certain instinct, Rex, at a young age. You just had to kind of bring it all together. I kind of knew 
where I needed to be, what I needed to do. Because I didn't come out shooting. My whole mm-hmm. thing was I wanted to be Magic Johnson, pass the ball. Yeah. And when I got shots, I would take advantage of it. You know what I mean? So I think that mm-hmm. helped me, too, because, again, I've never been a selfish player where it's been about me. Because the way I grew up, it was always in the Midwest. You play defense, you rebound, yep. you pass the ball. You do all these other little things. So I took pride in passing. But I tell you, playing the point helped me get a different perspective of what the game and how the game is supposed to be played. And it carried with me all through my career. Yeah. Being versatile enough, but it was at that pivotal moment when I didn't really have confidence in myself like playing varsity that my coach was like, no, I'm going to throw you in the fire despite, you know, what the expectations of our team is. Yeah. And see, I, I see something in you. Well, you guys got a lot of parallels, not just that. It's Here you are both – you know, high school All-Americans, right. uh, hometown heroes, and you both go to the big university, the big yeah. state university. I mean, yeah. how tough slash fun was that? And was that the most fun you ever had had playing? Both of you. I, I'm telling you what, high school, I had a lot of fun, bro. We finally won a state championship my senior year. We were number one in the state the whole year. We ended up number five in the country. But that group of guys to finally break through. We were the first city public school to win. Wow. There was a lot of firsts there. That right there was just, I mean, I still I still get goosebumps when I see highlights from it to this day. Yeah. The college thing is not as much pressure as that guy over there. Oh. Okay? That Kentucky thing is a whole different animal. <laughs> At Ohio State, it's about football. Now, Gary Williams started to change the program and turn it around. Okay, and that's why it enamored me, and that's why I ended up going. My first two choices were Syracuse and North Carolina. Yeah, I was one to get into that. Yeah, being Kenny Anderson going to the same school. But being at Ohio State, the pressure wasn't as much as a Kentucky to have to win right away. So we were able to grow into it, but we grew at a fast pace, which helped us. And I know, Rick, it had to be hometown hero. Kentucky is this. I know it had to be a lot of pressure on you. You know, I, I looking back, I think, yeah. But at the time, I think I I, I felt like I had an advantage over my teammates because most okay. of all of my teammates were um, from New York and California, and they didn't really understand. You know, we, we would go to play Louisville, or I remember Eddie Sutton brought out a box. My very first college practice, uh-huh. he brought out a box of rings, championship rings. They were Southwest Conference championship rings in there, and he's showing it to the team and saying, "This is what we play for, guys." And I looked at that, and I thought he was joking. I looked around. <laughs> we don't play for conference titles at Kentucky. And, and uh, he wasn't joking. And as you saw, the, the program kind of swallowed him up. He didn't realize how, yeah. you know, how yep. big the program was. Um, I, I didn't I, – and I, w- I just had fun. I had more fun playing than I did all the other stuff. When, you know, we were pretty good. But, no, Jim, I, I saw you – I think we talked about this a little bit. I saw you – I had been playing in the league two or three years and I think I I had broken my shin and I was back in Lexington. Didn't you play here against Michigan? Yeah. In the, in the, in the NCAA tournament. And that's against Jawan and Chris and those guys. Right. Yep. Yep. 
the Elite Eight, lost to them in the Elite Eight in overtime. Now, we, you know how hard it is. We beat them twice, handled them during the regular season. Mm. But they got better. No pressure. We were the number one seed. As the game grew into the balance in below three, four minutes, the pressure shifted to us, not them. So it went to overtime and, yep. you know, expand the lead and win it. You know, win the game and then go into the championship. So, yeah, bro. Um, yeah. Is that is that your toughest? Is that your toughest loss? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I didn't even. I, 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 I don't mean. I didn't mean to bring it up like that. I, but I, I now that, you, I mean, shit. Yeah, bro, now that you say it, when they play it on classics, I'm hoping for a different outcome. <laughs> some reason, yeah. yeah, it's still the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I got that for the old Wisconsin game. Huh? I got that for the Wisconsin game myself. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Kentucky, hurts, Wisconsin. Her still. You mean the second yes. time around? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the first time. I yeah, was yeah, fine yeah. with that. Yeah, man. <laughs> no, it is, you know, it's one of those moments where you're so close to just touching the final four. Okay. And we were right there. We knew it, but we didn't make the adjustments down the stretch mentally that this team was just playing free. Now, again, I had seniors on my team at the time. And then now you think about this being the end. I don't know mentally if that was the case, but still, the pressure makes you kind of do that. And they were just yeah. out there free, like just ball, okay? Yeah. And But I think about how close I could have been at least been in the final four. Just one time, just touch it. So when I talk to I my know. son, my son is like that. I've been to two final fours. And <laughs> I mean, what you got? I mean, yeah. what you got for me? Ain't really nothing I can say. No, there's really not. Winning, and he won at a high level. I'm like, yeah. Okay, yeah, you got me on that. Well, Trey, I'm about to uh, be inducted into the uh, <laughs> the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame in November, so I got that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Congratulations, that, by the way. Yeah. Yes, congrats, buddy. Thanks, man. They must have ran out of people. That's probably why. Oh uh, no, no, no. Uh, uh-uh. uh, uh. Yeah, I, and. I think I've told you this, but I'm not sure. And and I I, I asked Josh if I'd told him my Jim Jackson story. Um, and he said, no. And Josh has heard most of my bullshit story. So um, I had, I was in Washington and you were, you were, yeah, you were probably in your second year. I don't know. And uh, it was 90, mid nineties, early to mid nineties. And um, I had a broken thumb. I had broken my thumb and was out for like a month and uh right thumb and I had it taped and the, you know, you have, you know, when you come back with a, a hand injury and on your right hand Ooh. and then back in that day, it, it was, it would be all fine except in the post where, you know, slapping down at balls. Right? right. Well, we, we play you guys in Washington and uh I probably shouldn't have played and I probably wasn't even in, you know, great shape, but you gave me the worst, you gave me the worst professional and maybe, and I, you know, I played against magic and, and Michael and all of you gave me the worst beat down as a player that I ever took ever at any level. Uh, I, I, I had it in my mind that you got 50, but I was, uh, I, I was mistaken. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
four. Hey, Rex, you know what? Hey. Hands out. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> what, what's that like the next time you just kill a guy? I the, and the I've never, I've, it's not good because I've never acknowledged it till right now. <laughs> yeah, but, what's, what's funny, JK got hurt in the first half of that game. Okay. When they came down to the wire at 48. But why it stands out is because at that time I was rolling as a player. I was like, I was like at 26 points. We were like 25, yeah. And Jamal was right behind at 25. So the fifth, sixth leading scorer in the league. And all the other scores above us were centers. Hakeem, David, yeah. Shaq, and Carl Malone. But the next game we play against the Nets. Nike says, I want you to try and wear these Harachis. Remember those soft Harachis? Yeah, yeah. We're basketball players. We're superstitious. So the shoes I've been wearing, and I didn't tape at the time. So I said, yeah, I'll try them out. I was in warm-ups, and they were really soft. They didn't, you know, gave around the Yeah, yeah. I'm in the layup line. I said, man, I can't play in these shoes. That means, I said, I'll just change at halftime. But I didn't had a real good <laughs> Anyway, the game starts to go on. I'm rolling. But then about midway through that first quarter, I think it was, I come across the right at the free throw line, Jason Williams. Mm -hmm. I stepped on his foot. Not only did I step on his foot, I heard <laughs> in my ankle. Third degree, they had to take me to the hospital because um, it was swollen up like the grapefruit. Shoot me up and kind of pop it back in place. Dislocated. Just, yeah. Yeah. So, and the doctor said it would have been better if I'd have broke my ankle mm -hmm. than the third degree sprain. And you remember that I had the same injury. See? Remember. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Defining moment of my career as a right handed player jumping <laughs> off my left leg, that changed everything. It was your left ankle? Yeah, mine was my right and probably the only thing that saved me because it wasn't my jumping leg. When you're jumping, that's right. Yeah, but jumping. but I, I'll tell you this. Every time the rest of my life uh, I, I jumped in traffic, I knew where I was landing or I was landed sideways or I, I it, it, you know, it takes a toll, right? Jumping with your head up anymore. But you never had to do that in your career. Right. You never had to worry about that. And to boot, what happened was, you know, at that time, you was ultrasound and, you know, the yeah. stuff wasn't like it is now. Right. So what happened is it kind of spread up to my knee where tendonitis got back. You had a bad knee for a long time. So what I what I did, Rex, if I'm out on the break and I would never tell anybody, even my teammates, they kind of knew, but I would never say anything. Press, if I'm running full speed, I had to gather, stop, and jump off two feet because if I jumped off a one, the pain would shoot up my knee and I had no explosion. So imagine being on the break running hard, knowing if you get it, you yeah. can't finish. Yeah. Okay? I'm going yeah. off two feet. I yeah. have to. Because You've always finished off a one, though, right? You've always I've done that. Always done yeah. it. So Damn. the mental... People don't understand the mental aspect of 
the game itself. And, and I think you and I were fortunate from this is that we got to taught to play the game all over. So we were able to extend our career, even though our, our athleticism got yeah. where a lot of players may not have yeah. because we were solely basing their game on athletics. And right. we didn't, but it still didn't allow us to kind of probably be the players that we could have been because of that early injury. That's fair. That's fair. Um, you know, I, I, I was, uh, when we were talking a couple of weeks ago, I was fascinated. I, I, I knew it, but I didn't really know it to let Josh know and the listeners know how many coaches and owners you had those first few years in Dallas. Oh, I love it. You know, you know, the part I love is when things come up and they talk about teams breaking up and teammates. I love when people just know to say, well, Tony Braxton broke up the Dallas map. They just know for sure, like 110%. That's facts. I'm just sitting there like this, like you idiot. It never that was never the case. But because that was the thing and it was sensational and it was Jamal had nothing to do with this. But that's he was on here. We asked him. Huh? We asked Jamal. Yeah. He was on here. So so they that's the reason why the Dallas Mavericks broke up. Are you kidding me? I said, let me break down some facts for you. I was the first, Jamal was second, Jason was third. The three of us never played 82 games together. Jamal and I played 82, his rookie, his rookie year, my second year. My third year, I get hurt 51 games in the season. The next year, Jamal gets hurt. The following year, we get traded. Now, within that context, I was there first. I had four coaches, three owners, in five years. That's why we didn't win and have consistency. That's no continuity. Exactly, that's exactly what Mash said. Exact same. Yeah. Thing. Bro, now, yeah. did we have some internal conflict? Yes. There's no Over problem. Tony Braxton. Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, bro, yeah. if I'm a day, yeah. I'm going to call that as a badge of honor and let you know, yeah, you know, maybe I did, you know. Hey. <laughs> right. My lap. But, it never happened. Yeah. So to listen to people talk about it like that. And y'all were young. Y'all were young, too. I mean, and try, you, all three of you came out early. You but know, you were still. But here's the thing. Jamal and I knew that J-Kid was the guy. J-Kid took our averages up when he came. Wasn't he a dream to play with? He was a dream to play with. We both averaged 19 a year before. His rookie year, my second year. But to make that jump to 25, 26, bro, you need some help. So Jay Kidd was like this. Yeah. So my challenge was this. Once I got hurt, I felt that a lot of people kind of put me to the wayside because I wasn't performing at the same level. Coaching, Dick Mata at the time, some other players um, who were buying for that position. Yeah. Okay. So I didn't feel like people don't know what I was going through in that situation. And people don't realize, too, Jimmy, I, I, just to point this out, I, I want you to continue. It's not like you, you could play or you would play four guards out there at a time. You were a two. Jamal was the three. Jason was a one. It wasn't like you were interchangeable. It wasn't like they would play, you know, another guard with you. There were definitely two bigs out there with you guys. 
right? Yeah. yeah. It, was, it was, Rex, man, it was so mentally, because one, I wasn't the same player that I was prior to the injury. That's a whole mental. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, when you never had to struggle with the game of basketball or your profession, because you've been good enough to always compete at a high level. That's a new environment. Yeah. That nobody can talk to you about it that somebody's been through it. And nobody on my team has been through it. So you don't know how to handle it. You're not playing as I go from averaging 26 down to like 15. Okay. Mm-hmm. Not being able to explode and jump. Not being able to do all the little things that I was. It was like your breaks. It, it was like your breaks. Um after that injury, and I, I didn't know about the knee as much. I'm, I could tell you you were struggling with it, but it was like your breaks weren't sharp as as sharp as they were. And it took you a while to get even get back to, you know, because you were all star level. Um, but it took a while to get back. Right. Oh, mentally, physically. Yeah. Because yeah. And that's when the. You know being traded and being a free agent, being on different teams. Now I got to deal with that aspect. Yeah. Of now mentally humiliating humility of being a high draft pick. Pride. Now being when trade deadline comes around, you're like looking, okay, what's going to happen? They might go get traded this time. But then still having to be a professional and go do my job. Into the day, whether I liked it or not, I had to go do my job yeah. or so I'd be out the league. So all these things are going on, the injury, not being healthy, not being able to explode. Oh, now you traded, you got a different role and still yet you got to go play. And people don't yeah. understand that whole yeah. stuff that's going on and you still got to go out there and perform. You know, mental health has become, you know, with Simone Biles and the Olympics and whatnot. Now it's, you know, it's really relevant and something we didn't used to talk about. Yeah. Uh, and Rex and I both have experienced depression and some mental issues. You know, we, we bonded over that in some way. Yeah. When all that was going on, do you think you fell into a full on depression at some point? No, I, not from that perspective, because people around me, I'm a little different from this perspective. It's like when stuff happens, when shit happens, I'm like, okay, I only can control so much. I never get too high. I never get too low. Does it hurt more than sometimes than others? Yeah. But I've always been one to say, you know what? All I can do is just do my job and be the best that I can be. That's it. Um, so I've never got into one, because if I would have gotten into one of those funks, I wouldn't have played 14 years. I wouldn't have been able to go from team to team and still have some kind of an impact, even though it wasn't Jimmy Jackson from five, six, seven years prior to that. Right. So I tried to always deal with a situation like this. Somebody's got it worse. It's not the end of the, not the end of the world. You got to be a pro and figure it out. It may not be the best situation. It may not be conducive to how you play. But as a pro, you got to go do your damn job, whatever it is, whether you like it or not. And that's what I tried to do. And I think that helped me when I didn't feel like I had the support sometimes. Uh, maybe an organization or, or teammates or whatever. But once I left Dallas, I mean, it was just, it was just, it was like, you know, like this, bro. Where, where does that mind, mindset come from, uh, Jimmy? And, you know, I, I, I do want to touch on this. I know we got to get you out of here at some point, but um, you've obviously taken your education seriously. And I, 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 
want to reference going back a couple summers ago, um, going through the pandemic and then Mm -hmm. uh, the social unrest, the George Floyd murder. Um, And I I saw you on on TV several times talking about um, civil rights, the era um, redlining and and a lot of stuff that is not taught in Ohio public schools and Kentucky public schools. Where, where did it come from and, and what, yeah, where did it come from? Rex, I mean, I, I, I've always loved history, whether that's Roman history, Egyptian history, Eastern civilization, medieval. I mean, it's something about history, me not being there to understand what the thought process was, what people were going through. You know how you see a picture and you see a bunch of people in the picture and I'm like, damn, I wonder what, what, what was going on at that time, what, what they were thinking about. I love architecture. So I've always been interested in the mindsets of people and why we do what we do and why we're at this point in our particular lives. And the history of America has always been interesting to me because I grew up in the 80s where I went from a all-Black grade school and they bust us to a majority white junior high school. And that mix, I mean, it was very difficult at the time, at 13 years old, mm-hmm. okay? To be bussed somewhere where I didn't want to go in the first damn place with teachers and administrators, except for Mr. Hart, the principal was unbelievable. And some other teachers that were mm-hmm. outstanding. But this is what made me really get into it when I was younger. The White teachers and people in that neighborhood had no understanding of who we were as young African-American kids. And now vice versa. We didn't have the same understanding of white people, but we had it more so because in order for us to be able to really function in society, we have to understand more so how white people think. White people don't have to understand how black people or or Native Americans think. So we always got one leg up. So my point being is that when I was young, I was always fascinated by why. Why don't you like me because of my skin color? Just, just why? Because when, you, when we're young and kids, we all play together. We don't care. The only reason I may not like Josh is because Josh might have took my sucker. He might have stepped on my foot. Not because he's white. I got to be taught that. So my whole life, I've always tried to read and just understand people and why. Why do you hate based on color or religion or sexuality? I, I've just always been intrigued in it, man. And I still am, you know? And, and the, world, the world history itself, it's funny how it all kind of has some, a lot of similarities to, as to why, because it goes back to power. Yeah, yep. Well said, man. Yes, really sir. Well said. Um, we- all right, lighten us up a little. Yes, please. We'll get out of here. Uh, uh, did you I, have, I always love hearing, did you have a welcome to the NBA moment? Rex said Latrell Sprewell gave him a welcome to the NBA right. type of moment. Did you have a, ooh, this is different here? Again, my career, nobody has a, had a career like me. Nobody. I got the longest holdout ever as a rookie. Only played 28 games my rookie year because the Mavericks. Right with a fourth pick, didn't want to pay me, okay? They wanted to pay me with the eighth pick guy. That's right. So that was my NBA, welcome to the NBA moment. 
when I was sitting in Columbus, Ohio, while I'm listening to people tell me how wrong I am for sitting out. And the college season's going on. And the college season is going on, okay? And NBA is going on. And, you know, the, the Mavericks owner, Mr. Carter, it's a funny story, came and picked me up in Columbus, right? And was trying to explain to me why he didn't want to pay. <laughs> what what he's supposed to pay. Right above LaFonzo Ellis, okay? Why he didn't want to pay. Because remember Doug Smith and Randy White? Yep. They got drafted a couple years before me, didn't kind of pan out. He was kind of used that as an excuse. And also saying, we don't think we should pay a guard this much money. I was like, well, Kenny Anderson went second last year. What are you talking about? <laughs> right? I said, now it's my fault because the two draft picks y'all got didn't pan out right now. So I'm on the plane with him by myself. My agent's like, you want me to come? I'm like, no, I got this. Mr. Carter says this. Well, Jimmy, we'll give you a million dollar signing bonus you sign this deal. I said, you know what, Mr. Carter, no disrespect. I ain't never had a million dollars. So I don't know what I'm missing. But if you don't want to pay what the market value is on my contract, trade the pick. If not, I'm going back to college and I'll be in the draft next year. Flat out, that's what I told him. That's my welcome to the NBA moment that whole time. And it's not a player, it's not a play. You know, yep. now I finally went in 28 games. We were, they only won four games at that time. Right. So we ended up winning seven more, not getting the Philadelphia record of 11. I mean, a 10. Wow. And we played Houston Rockets and the Phoenix Suns back to back. But I knew I could play with those guys. So it wasn't an on the court wow moment. Well, Finally, when I got a ch- chance to play Michael Jordan. I ain't gonna say, I ain't gonna lie. Yeah, I, yeah, I, of I course. Lie about that. Same. I, I tell Josh the same. You know, Michael Jordan was it, but that was a couple years later. But that was my welcome to the NBA. This is how business is run. More. That's awesome. Awesome, uh, Jimmy. What's your favorite movie? Malcolm X. Fantastic. No hesitation. No hesitation. No hesitation. Perfect. If you could, if you could sit front row center watch anybody alive or dead perform or speak or a band a group who would it be two people malcolm x and muhammad ali muhammad ali is my all-time favorite and the reason why guys you know we know all document kentucky louisville we we know all that but the reason why it's tougher it's more of a challenge for athletes today to kind of have the same impact not that they don't it's, it's in a different way those guys, Bill Russell, Jim Brown, Muhammad Ali, um, Kareem, Kareem, at that time, you know, Lou Alcindor at the time before he switched mm-hmm. over, Bill Russell, they all lived in the communities that they had to represent. So they had a heart, they had, they had their hand on the pulse of really what was going on. You can't duplicate that now today because yeah. we're blessed enough with the money that we live outside of those communities, even though we're doing phenomenal things and people are, but they live in those communities while they were performing at a high level. So their perspective on what was going on and the impact it had on them professionally yeah. Oh, yeah. and personally was different. And what Muhammad Ali was able to do by giving up his belt and saying, listen, from a religious perspective and from just a mental, I have nothing against the vehicle. They're not doing nothing to me. But I can go to the Olympics, win and come back, and yet and still I'm treated you know, as a second-class citizen. Why should I go fight? 
And if you listen to him over the years, yes, he was brash, he was bold. But if you really listen to what he said, we're still fighting for a lot of the same things. That's why he's my favorite of all time, bro. Because he's the well, greatest of all time. Oh, greatest of all time. I got a chance to talk to him on the phone one time. I was going crazy. I got some autographed gloves by him. Yeah, bro. Uh, it was awesome. I was just like, all right, I'm dead. That's it. I'm yeah. done. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, better big three, Nets or Lakers? Whoa, why are you gonna do me like that? <laughs> <laughs> really, bro? We were just having a yeah, just bonding. We're just bonding. Just bonding. I'm, I'm, gonna, say, yeah. I'm gonna say this. Now, I can't say it that way. I was gonna say the Lakers, but here's the problem AD has injuries all the time, and so does Kyrie. So, you're really looking at the two consistent players who play the most, which is Kevin Durant, Harden, LeBron, and Russ. So how do you separate that, bro? Really? Think about it. I don't know that you can because because Kyrie's hurt, because AD's hurt, because you know, you 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 I don't know that you can. It's almost impossible. That's five five MVPs. Bro, how, right? how can you say who's better? You, I mean, that's it's, it's, it's impossible to me. Yeah. Because here's a, one of the greatest scorers to ever play, which is Kevin Durant. But yet you got one of the greatest minds in LeBron who's going to end up being the all-time leading scorer in the league, and he's not known to be a scorer. Then you got Harden <laughs> doing his thing, and you got Russ. So you got these – come on. I know. I know. And that's why I love it. It's fun, him. though. It's fun. Happens, but – Hey man, Josh, take it back. Sorry, sorry about that. All right, Jim. Oh, you ready? You got another? Real quick, I want to know if you're drafting for one season in the NBA, not for not a dynasty draft, one season to win a championship. Everybody's who do you take first for one season? Bro, you know I'm from Ohio, right? Yes. Duh. So still at this point at his age, you're like for one season, LeBron's duh, the best. Duh, duh, yes. Okay. I would say the if same thing. If AD doesn't get hurt last year, and I love the Phoenix Sun, okay? We saw what happened with their youth, okay? When they yeah. played against a more veteran-oriented team in Milwaukee long-term, they were able to win. Um, Milwaukee's able to win. Bro, you put LeBron James in a situation where you got some components around him? Uh-uh. And plus, I'm a little biased because he's from Ohio, too. But that, that, you know what I mean? But he's proven that. You can say what you want about switching teams and doing this. And when he's healthy and he has the right roster around him, he, he gives his organization a chance to get to the championship. Now, whether they win it or not, things happen. But to get there, definitely. If Russ is if Russ is healthy like he was the last 25, 30 games last year, yeah. and AD comes back healthy, I, I – they're going to be fascinating because people are like, yeah, but Russ needs the ball. Well, LeBron leads the league in assists if he wants to. Yeah. And I just don't see a problem. I think it's going to be wildly entertaining. And if they can, if they can space the floor enough, if they can find enough guys to help space the floor, they're going to be a nightmare. Yeah. And they just announced, you know, that they're playing on Christmas day. Oh yeah. Brooklyn, oh, that's right. Which is, I, which is, yeah. But I was like, sorry, 
Jesus, happy birthday. <laughs> but I gotta see this right now. <laughs> hey, but both, both, both teams understand this, and, and Lakers being a little bit older, but older being this, they still have four or five with Taylor Horton, Tucker, and other guys that are 25, 24, 26. Yeah. AD is only 28 going on 29. Okay. We we forget about that because it because it's injuries. What the Lakers want to do is position themselves to be healthy going into the playoffs, whatever that means. Would they prefer to have a number one seed, number two? Yeah, but if they're the third seed, so what? They say, you know what? Just like this year, if we're healthy, we think we believe we can get to the final. So how you stagger those minutes and play during the course of the year, that's with Frank Vogel. During this regular season, you manage injuries, egos, and minutes, okay? You do that well with a veteran team, guess who wins championships? Veteran team. The young team hasn't done it yet. Not today they can't. You haven't seen it yet. So that's just my thought process on the Lakers and that old age stuff. Right. Love it. Man, thank you, Jim. Come back, will you? Anytime, man. We got a lot to talk about. Absolutely. And let's... That question, too. Okay. Hey, right, I'm going to go Thanks, out right Jim. now and buy some cigars because I need I Yeah, need that's right. Age hey, listen. Hold on, wait. Let me see. Let me see something. Hey, look. This is what we're going to do. Okay? I'm going to see if I can do this, okay? Looks like he was going to his humidor and may have pulled out a cord, Josh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, what, what a good guy. Oh, I just got a text. Had a blast. Would love to come back on. Awesome. That's great. Yeah. Uh, that's fantastic. Technology. Uh, yeah. Oh, isn't he right? He's the best. Yeah. Uh, we could talk to him forever. I, I didn't even get to, uh, I wanted to ask him about the uh, NIL with the college name, image, yeah. and likeness, because I know he has a ton of thoughts on that. But what a fascinating guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, uh, everything, every question we presented with him, he went, some deep way into it and in an in, in introspective that was a lot of fun no doubt i mean and just about everything he's you know when he started talking about why you know why do you hate me um that stuff is we need more of that you know just like somebody that can break it down that way and just be like look you know when we were kids we all play together and then at some point we separate into our little stupid little tribes and you know that's uh that's dangerous uh, yeah, like um, but the said, way he's able to articulate it no yeah and, and you know being bust into a white school basically where you know the the onus isn't on on that school to adjust to you it's on you to adjust to these people in power and for a young kid that's, I mean, and I remember, you know, I remember growing up in Kentucky and they were talking about, you know, Louisville, Louisville, Kentucky was busing and man, just uh, a different time. But Jimmy's a, uh, uh, you can tell why, why he's a, why he's a star on television these days. Yeah. He's right. To ascend further. He's, he's, he's really good. Yeah. Well, Josh, uh, let's wrap it up. Episode 23. That was episode 23, the Michael Jordan episode. Yeah. Isn't that right? Of the Rex Chapman Show with Mr. Josh Hopkins. We will be back next week, same time, same place, powered by basketballnews.com.